0: and whilst they make their way out we have got something really incredible happening in this room right now we have got a speaker from our sheffield location who i discovered this morning can drum i didn't even know that and apparently he's been drumming for years but if you want to stand to your feet and give the best icon welcome to matt ingram's Thank you very much, thank you, thank you, thanks guys, thank you very much for that extended welcome, thank you, thank you, there comes, there comes a point where that much applause and whooping is just embarrassing for me, you're making me blush, um, can you just give a big hand to our worship team, don't they do an amazing job? Uh, as they leave the stage, you may also take your seats. Um, it is a, a, a pleasure to be up on this stage and speaking once again, um, Debbie. For what it's worth, I think your idea about giving uh, Pastor PJ a Swede is a good one, but it does mean that we might need to give Pastor Wall a wall. So I, I, I don't know if we can, I don't know if we can quite make that work. Um, if you're not going to conference, let me encourage you: book in, go to conference. It's an amazing opportunity just to uh, dive deeper into everything that God's got planned for you. Uh, When we were watching that video, as soon as that silence came up, just after the promo, my wife leant over to me and, in a very loud voice during the silence, went, well that wets the whistle, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, it does. It does wet the whistle. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm excited about conference. Are you excited about conference? Are you having a good Sunday? Do you like rhetorical questions? Good. Um, So my name's Matt, for those of you that don't know me. um, I have a habit of of doing slightly embarrassing things whenever I'm on this stage not by design uh, but the last time I was here and in this sort of situation I was dressed as Britney Spears lip-syncing along to uh, Hit Me Baby One More Time which was memorable wasn't it Gav? It's gone that's how memorable it was still there the memory's still there Uh, the last time I spoke in Sheffield I I managed to talk for the first five minutes about nipples um (laughs) Which again was not planned, but it was just a very cold day. I had a very thin t-shirt on and, and I felt we had to address the, the elephant nipples in the room. Um, so that, that sort of happens. Again, the last time I spoke here, I think I, I showed you my little I need a wee dance. And you were all treated to what happens when I'm absolutely bursting. So you were warned if I needed to run at any point, it was because I was doing the wee. I need a wee dance and I needed to go and do a wee. Thankfully, I didn't need to. But I, I felt okay about all of those things. Because uh, this morning when Debbie was in Sheffield, um, she read out at the beginning of her message a, a text that she received from Andy and Kirsty Ball to let us know that um, they weren't going to be with us this morning. Um, and um, Debbie said, you know, oh, it's so nice to hear that. And of course, uh, we're missing the balls this morning, aren't we? So uh, I feel like anything I do or say is all right. Thanks, Debbie. I've got the microphone now. Uh, so we've heard in church a... Um, a couple of messages over the last 12 months or so, over um, the, the few weeks that we've been together, about the idea of joy, the idea of happiness. Um, we've heard about how modern psychology combines two contrasting yet coexisting Greek philosophies to help us understand joy today. So we've heard about Hedonia, which means happiness, we'll all say that together, and eudaimonia, which means meaning. You're, you're so close in that with sadness, it's, uh, it's meaning. Not, not sadness. Um, so, I want to uh, just read you the whole book of Philippians 4. And that's not because I'm trying to waste the time that I'm up here, but I think it's uh, a really important letter that Paul writes. And why is this relevant to what we're, we're talking about and learning today? Well, we've already been discussing or, or thinking about. I'll get that later, special memories. Uh, We've already been learning about what it means to to, to turn to a God who is capable of everything and capable of anything and can do the impossible. We heard that from from Jeannie when she was speaking. We heard that from Debbie when she was talking about the prayer requests. Um, And and if there's one person in the Bible that knows that our God can do anything in the midst of uh, trials, in the midst of um, difficult situations, it's Paul, right? Because Paul went through some unimaginable issues. He uh, was imprisoned for his faith. He was persecuted. He was tortured and eventually died because of what he believed, because of what he knew to be true about our God. So if there's one person that's qualified in my book to talk about joy and what that means, it's, uh, it's Paul. So he writes in this book of Philippians 4. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now I appeal to you, Adoia and Sintich. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreements. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written into the book of life. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Paul goes on. I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter right at this moment, but we're going to um, just take a look at a couple of things that Paul writes in there. Um, There's another theologian, a great philosopher of our time that speaks about joy. So I want to um, uh, encourage you to turn your eyes to the screen as we hear from Marie Kondo. We may need to do this again with some sound. <laughs> Let me tell you what's going on while we, while we wait for this. If we can just pause the video, uh, my friends in the back room. Marie Kondo is um, a learned expert in the art of cleaning, tidying, of uh, making your home and the surroundings around you to be a place that sparks joy. So Marie, in this clip, which I'm hoping by the time I finish filling, we uh, will watch, explains what it means to spark joy. So what does sparking joy mean in Marie Kondo's world? It's something that is a visceral, a, a really bodily reaction. It's your whole body responding to an action, to something happening in a way that can only express joy. Can only express this feeling, this emotion, this, this action of something great is happening here. And I'm hoping we're going to watch the Key point for distinguishing items which spark joy from those which don't is to feel the item in your hands. Take each piece of clothing in your hand and see how your body responds. See if it sparks joy in you. When you touch an item that sparks joy, your body would respond this way. feels as if every part or every cell of your body lifts up little by little. This is the sensation your body would feel when you touch items that spark joy. Okay, well, uh, we'll cut across her there. So Marie Kondo says that there's a, a really bodily reaction and guess what? It's a Sunday night. I'm going to ask you to do something. Can you guess what I'm going to ask you to do? I'm going to ask you to ting with me. Is that okay? Yeah. So let me just talk you through the steps that go into making this happen. You prepare your body like such with a hand that's pointing somewhat diagonally up to the right, and then you just, ting. So, with a bit more, most of you got the idea that you've got to do this in a bit of a falsetto. Nat was just, ting. So, I'm going to ask all of you to encourage Nat that next time he does this, he's going to go, ting. Yeah? Are we ready? So, we're going to go one, two, three, and then we're going to ting together. So, one, two, three, ting. That was pretty good. So what I want you to think is that as we talk about joy, as we talk about this feeling, this emotion, this response, that actually what this is, is your body responding in a way that goes, ting, there we go, always count on you now. And, and this is actually what the title of my message is, What Sparks Joy. We're getting it, we're getting it. So at the beginning of the book, uh, we, we read or we heard from Paul when he was saying these things. I'm just going to recap this. He says, now I appeal to you, Adoia and Sintage Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written into the book of life. Isn't it, isn't it really encouraging that um, in this letter that's so well known that Paul is writing to the first church that he planted, that um, his advice, his words to them isn't something really doctrinal, it isn't really heavy theology, it's not pulling apart the meaning of scripture, but actually the first thing he's saying is, come on guys, let's settle our disagreements. Isn't that encouraging that even the first church that existed, those first followers of Jesus, who many of whom would have had first-hand experience of him, they were still getting it wrong as well. I, for me, that speaks into the, the art of humanity that um, Paul has really practical advice in this, this, um, this first part. And for him, what he's saying is, what sparks joy here? So for me, joy stems from a heart that overflows with thanksgiving and love for others. How can we respond to the call from God with a hard heart? How can we respond to God in a way that brings joy to God? If our heart is hard, if it's closed off, if actually we're carrying the burden and the weight of disagreement, of misunderstandings, actually God is calling out to us and we have to respond in a way that takes, into, takes that into account. Paul's saying because you belong to the Lord, you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement if needs be find someone else that will help you find a way through that mediation god is talking about therapy right here in the uh, the bible that's okay we're made in the image of god jesus saying love others and you love me love others and you love me if you picture the face of jesus on every single person that you meet how would that change your response to them If you picture the face of Jesus on every single person that you come into contact with, and I'm not just talking about here in church, but as soon as we step out of these doors, as we go into our Mondays, we go into our Tuesday and the rest of our week, if you saw the face of Jesus on every single person, how does that change what your reaction is? How you treat them? How you treat the world around you? You know, I think we have this thing in in our culture about celebrity, don't we? Um, And we... We lift our game, as it were, when we see people that are famous, that, that evoke a response in us. I think about my wife, um, who uh, not so, uh, in the not-so-distant past flew all the way to Dublin, uh, flew all the way over to Ireland, um, not for a wedding, not for uh, any great event, but because the man of her dreams, who has not stood here on the stage at the moment, but who is uh, a, a man called Killian Murphy, for those of you who are Peaky Blinders fans, um, he was appearing in a, a play in a tiny little theatre somewhere on the outskirts of Dublin that no-one's ever heard of, no-one's ever going to go and see. But she flew all the way over to Dublin because she wanted to see her hero, her idol, this man that meant so much to her. Killian Murphy, the man that actually, if you look at a picture of him, looks like a slightly melted waxwork model of himself. because he's, he, Let's be honest, he's a strange-looking man, isn't he? In hindsight, I know it seems like that. And if you give me some time, I'll work out why it's not jealousy, but it's actually a really thought-out, reasoned argument. But Glyn, you're probably right. I do wish that my wife looked at me in the way she looks at Killian Murphy, the melted waxwork model. Thank you, that's the right response, R. Oh. But what if we saw the face of Jesus uh, in, the, in the same way in which we celebrate those, those famous people, those, those people that are around us that evoke that visceral reaction? What if we saw Jesus in the same way on the, the faces of the people around us? How would we treat them? If we approach the world around us with the same spirit of thanksgiving and love for others, would that spark joy in us, in the people around us? I don't think there's any other reaction. If you don't believe me, here's what Paul continues to write. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. There's nothing nothing revolutionary in here. There's nothing um, that is surprising about this. But at the same time, it's so surprising because I love that nothing is too small for God. We know that, don't we? Nothing is too small for God. Paul isn't encouraging us only to take the big matters, the big worldly matters, the ones that everyone gets behind and everyone cares about to God. He's saying, take everything to God. Nothing is too small for our God. Our God is so big that sometimes we can think, oh, I don't want to bother him with with my stuff. I don't want to bother him with, with my junk, the things that are getting me down because you know some people have got it so much worse. And that's true. There's always someone that's got it worse than us. There's always someone that's got it better than us. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't care. right? That doesn't mean that God is not interested in the small things. That doesn't mean that God doesn't take delight when we come to him with those things that are birding in us. Think about the um, the delight on a parent's face when their child brings something to them. And uh, I can't speak directly from experience here, but if you're a parent in the room, you will know that at some point during the upbringing of your children, they will have brought you a leaf. Or they will have brought you a brick of Lego, or they will have brought you that little piece of dog poo that they just found on the path. And and for you, let's be honest, this isn't the most exciting thing in the world, but your child has brought it to you. So how exciting, how much joy is is lifted up within you because your child has come to you with this thing. Nothing is too small for you in this moment because your child sparks joy in you. Your child is someone that you delight in. So you take joy in the small things. You're not going to say, um, take that leaf away and only come back to me when you've written me a, th- a full thesis on Brexit or on the state of the world. Um, that, that reference won't make sense um, in a couple of months, so I'm going to make the most of it while I can now. <laughs> for me, one of the things that does spark joy is um, we have a two-year-old niece called Willow, uh, and she is just going through a phase at the moment, having not wanted to know me for the first 18 months of her life, where now I'm sort of her best friend, and it's pretty cool. So whenever Soph goes around and sees the girls and I'm not there, she'll just say, Matt. Matt. And then if I am there, she'll just go a little bit shy and a bit coy and then I'll poke my head around the corner and it will take a moment and then she'll warm up and then she's my best friend. So that sparks joy in me. Or uh, we have a nephew, uh, Zeki, who is just at that age. He's just turned one where if you read him the Gruffalo story, which you have to do 10, 11, 12 times in one sitting before he's finally had enough of, of knowing what the Gruffalo is and uh, I was going to go down the, uh, the route of talking through it all, but we don't have time. But as you talk through the Gruffalo story with him, he'll make those growling sounds at you. Or if you say, what noise does a snake make? He'll show you his two teeth that he's got and he'll go. Shh. And for me, that sparks such joy in me because it's just a, a moment where I can just see that everything in him is just a physical reaction to being delighted that he's doing something amazing, which he is. It sparks joy in me. Listen to what Paul goes on to say. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. I don't know if this is relevant for you like it is for me, but I think sometimes it's so easy to treat God like he's a bit of a first aid kit. So something's gone wrong. I, uh, I, I need you, God. I, I need to turn to you. I need you to, to put a plaster on that wound that's open. I need you to, to stop the hurt, to stop the pain. God, in this moment, you're all I can think of. You're all I can turn to. And that's a good thing. We should be turning to God in those moments. But what about those moments when... We're not hurt. What about when we're not taking pain to God? Do you think he still is interested in hearing from us? My, my bet and my knowledge reading this book is that it is. God delights in those things. What if instead of um, every time something goes wrong, just turning to God at that moment, but we're turning to God in every single moment. We're turning to God as our first thought. What if instead of saying, God, I've got this problem, I need you to fix it now. Actually, we start that conversation with praise. Praise. With thanksgiving. Actually, God, I'm, I, just, I can only offer you praise. I want to lift your name up. God, I'm, I'm so grateful for everything that you've done for me, for the small things, for the big things. Actually, what you're doing now is turning this from a shopping list of fix my problems to a conversation with God. That's what a relationship is, isn't it? It's about having a conversation. Thanking God for all he's done reminds us to start from a place of gratitude. So most sermons have, uh, I've been told that most good sermons have Three points. Um, This is not a good sermon, so I only have one point. Um, But it's a point that I want you to remember, which is why I've only uh, picked one, because if I have more than one point to remember, it's gone. Uh, Ask anybody at work, I'll remember the last thing you say to me, nothing that goes before. So this is my single point, and it's that joy doesn't just happen. It's not an emotion, it's not an emotional response, but joy is a path you choose. So that's the point. Joy is a path you choose. We know, and we've probably all heard messages about the fact that happiness and joy are different things. That's sort of an established fact. We know that. We know that happiness is dictated by our circumstances, whereas joy flows from our decisions. Happiness is dictated by our circumstances, but joy flows from our decisions. So how do we not let ourselves and our emotional state be dictated by the situations we find ourselves in? Paul's words again. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I think we can get stuck in a rut. Maybe this is just me, but we can get stuck in a rut waiting for God to show up. Have we got the order right? It's not do good and God will love you for it. He's already taking care of that. But if we start taking notice of the little things around us, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, that for me is encouragement for us to reset our minds in the way that we think. Practical stuff. If you've got a task ahead of you that's daunting, focusing on the negatives, the things that could go wrong, the things that we're worried about, just magnifies that issue, doesn't it? Um, It's something that if we really focus in on, oh, this could go wrong, this could go wrong, it's probably going to go wrong. You've heard that saying, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. Psychologists, uh, they encourage us to, to visualize um, or use visualization as a stepping stone to success. So if you can see it working, if you can see the good things, if you can see the positives, you're going to make it work. Um, I work in sales uh, and I've been through my fair share of sales training. And One of the things that um, is banged into us or uh, I've learned about time and time again is this idea of radiators and drains. Has anyone heard of radiators and drains, the concepts? It's the idea that in life, broadly speaking, you've got two types of people. You've got your people that are radiators who uh, you can't help but feel the warmth when you're around them, that they just exude a certain something, something that lifts you up, something that um, makes you feel good, something that brings joy into your life through what they do. And then the idea is that a drain is uh, something that pulls away, it sucks life out. And actually, the idea is, do you want to be a radiator? Do you want to be a drain? We can all think of people that drain us, I'm sure. Uh, I'm not going to go through a list of people that drain me, but I'm sure we've all got our own ideas of people in our lives that maybe when we're with them, when we're around them, actually we just feel something being sucked out of us. But what about the opposite? What about those who radiate that warmth and light and joy? I think in church of people like uh, Mama, who uh, when she greets you, she will do so with the biggest, warmest hug, no matter what she's in the middle of, because she takes joy from seeing you. She takes joy from being around you. And you, in turn, take joy from being around Mama. I think of Teresa, who, um, as soon as you see her, you know that she's just going to ask how you are. And she's going to genuinely mean it, because we can do that, can't we, and just say, how's it going? I'm not really bothered about your response. I've just got to say something so that I can walk away at this point. Teresa, great example of someone who will ask you, and she'll genuinely care. For me, that, that sparks joy in me. I think about Ruth, who. Is never, apart from right at the second, thanks, is never without a massive beaming smile on her face. (laughs) Oh, such a close, close, close illustration there. But that, that smile that just radiates warmth, that just brings joy and light into other people's lives. You can't be sour faced around Ruth, can you? That's just a fact. I think of Jacob, who is the first person to make a beeline for anybody new that walks into this building. And is the first person to make them feel warmed and encouraged and at home. These signs that we have around the building saying, welcome home, they're no mistake. And it's people like Jacob with his, his warmth and the joy that he takes in welcoming new people that helps make that a reality. I want to be somebody that people say these things about. I want to be someone that is a radiator, someone that sparks joy in other people and in God. Not just the people around us, but I really believe that we spark joy in God whenever he sees these things in us. That's why I love our values as a church. And that being positive is so fundamental to who we are, what we do, that actually we want to take the positive approach. We want to say things that are positive we want to see things that are positive we want to do things that are positive because actually that sparks joy in the people around us that sparks joy in god's heart so we're drawing to the close already um, but uh, philippians 4 11, 12 says this it says not that i was ever in need for i've learned how to be content with whatever i have i know how to live on almost nothing or everything i've learned the secret of living in every situation whether it is with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little what is it the secret that paul shares and There are countless self-help books or tutorials or TED Talks or YouTube videos. Um, even books, art and songs and films have been dedicated to this idea of finding contentment. But Paul writes simply, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And it's easy to read this as a bit of a twee saying, isn't it? The kind of thing that you find on magnets in Christian bookstores or on um, background images of of sunsets or sunrises posted on Instagram. I can do all that. I've seen that. But actually, it's such a fundamentally true saying, isn't it? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I believe this means choosing in every situation, regardless of the situation, To approach it knowing that God is for you. He loves you. He empowers you. And if that doesn't spark joy in you, I I don't know what can. Paul ends with this promise of hope. He says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. We're going to go back into worship. And I, I want to use this as an opportunity to to praise God, to to worship his name, absolutely. But I want to take this as a moment for us to spark joy in God, for us to find joy in every situation, for us to declare the goodness of God, for us to declare what our response to this magnificent, all-encompassing creator who, every time I stand on this stage, I end up going into this, but I just think it's so true that God is so incredibly big. He created everything. He created the stars in the sky. He created everything we see around us, every fibre of our beings. He created and He knows intimately, yet He loves us. He loves you. He loves me. He knows everything that you've done. He knows everything you're going to do. Yet God still loves you. For me, that's, that's joy. To know that there's a Creator, there's a Father, who no matter what goes on, no matter where I am, no matter how far I feel from God, He loves me. He's going to keep pursuing me. For me, that's something that just sparks joy in everything. So we'll go back into worship, but we're going to get an opportunity to respond after that. So just take this moment just to um, to connect with God, to uh, seek Him out, to pursue Him in the same way that God is pursuing us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icomchurch.com icon.church have the best week